0: Good morning. Welcome to our morning service. Good to see you all here this morning. Good to be able to gather together on the Lord's Day. For those of you who are on Zoom, we welcome you as well. We welcome at the pulpit this morning, Kirk Sinclair. And he will be with us this morning to open the Word of God to us. Today we'll be looking at Genesis chapter 22, so I'd like to invite you to turn there. Genesis chapter 22. This is the story of Abraham offering Isaac to the Lord. I'll be reading from verse 1 to 19. Genesis chapter 22. And you may look for reasons why I chose this passage for Father's Day as I read. From verse 1. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And the two of them went together. Verse seven, but Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. Then he said, look, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Verse 9, then they came to a place where the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand, and he took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son your only son from me. Verse 13, then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked and there behind behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and he took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide as it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven, verse 16, and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven, the heaven, and as the sand which is on the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies, In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Verse 19, so Abraham returned to his young men and they rose and went together to Beersheba and Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we cherish our families and we cherish the relationships in our families we cherish our fathers and we cherish our sons. And Lord those relationships that are built up between them we also enjoy with you we enjoy a relationship with you. And yet those relationships teach us a great deal. And Lord this morning as we look to this passage we ask that your holy spirit would would uh, hold us fast so that we understand what you mean to communicate. Sometimes those important truths which you communicate to us are communicated without words. And so, Lord, we pray that we might put ourselves in Abraham's place this morning as we consider this message. And, Lord, we, we pray that we would understand what was going on in his head. And, and Lord, that we would see the bigger picture so, Lord, open the, the word to us today. Help us to understand this critical passage in Genesis 22. And, Father, we pray that through this and through all that we do this morning, your name might be exalted in our midst. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Ken Kirk, we welcome you and thank you. Lord bless you. Well, today is a special day for the fathers, and God has given us a, a beautiful day to celebrate Father's Day. And uh, I'm just waiting for the technical team to... There we are. And I just want to, uh, to open by saying that sometimes Scripture, and I mentioned it already, doesn't teach using words. And one of the, I think one of the examples that comes to mind first in Scripture is Romans chapter 1. A wordless sermon is being preached by creation to anyone who has eyes to see. And it speaks of God's power and eternal nature without words. And it does so most effectively. There are other parts of Scripture that teach without words. There's one that talks about a mother. Can a mother forget the baby that's at her breast? And the answer to that, of course not. Of course not. But today we're going to be talking about fathers. And we're going to talk about some of the unspoken relationship relationships issues between a man and his son, his precious son. And so we've already read the passage from, from uh, Genesis chapter 22. So we'll pray and then we'll go into it. And I hope that, I do hope indeed that all the fathers that are present this morning, that this message will strike a chord and that it will register with you. And that what you hear today, you'll write in your hearts and you'll never forget. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you have enabled through the ministry of your Holy Spirit for for us to grasp a meaning of your word, the meaning of your word. That every time we read it, Lord, we strive to labor to grasp that meaning. And we ask for a special blessing this morning as we look to the testing of Abraham. And as we look at the Abrahamic covenant and we see the kind of man that Abraham was more particularly the kind of father that he was. And we see the kind of God that you are and what kind of father that you are. So Lord, take us through this passage. We ask, find our hearts teachable and yielded, grant us attention that we might be able to understand and learn and grow thereby and leave us with something that will time and time again, give us cause to, Rejoice. For Jesus' sake, amen. So very early on in the book of Genesis, chapter 12, we read about Abraham, who was called Abram, being called out of Ur of the Chaldees, out of the land of his birth. And along with that is the promise to bless his seed. And this is what we call the Abrahamic covenant. And by the calling of Abraham, God has taken and drawn a people to himself. A people who will, he will focus his blessing on through the rest of scripture. Abraham's wife, Sarah, was barren. And they were well past the age of childbearing. But God chose to bless this faithful couple. And... He told them that they would bear a son and they reacted with laughter. Both of them reacted with laughter. Abraham reacted with laughter in Genesis 17, 17 and Sarah reacted with laughter and denied it later in Genesis 18, 12. And they laughed because they were well past their age of child, childbearing. But the blessing was the name, the name was Isaac and the the son was named Isaac, which means laughter, a precious, unique son, and the treasure of his loving parents. He was born of their old age. He was the son of promise, which is uh, very significant because the covenant with Abraham was, was to be, uh, the path of blessing was through the descendancy of Abraham, through Isaac. They waited years for Isaac to be born. But when the boy had grown nearly to manhood, then God tested Abraham by calling Abraham to sacrifice him. And this news would devastate any father. But Abraham was faithful. And we know how the story ends, don't we? But there is another father involved in this test too. That that father is with a capital F, that's the Lord. And today we'll be looking at examples of these two fathers, Abraham, the faithful father, and the Lord, the compassionate father. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at an exposition of the passage that I read, and then we'll apply it by looking at these two fathers as examples. One, the father of Faith, faithful, the other, the father of compassion. Now, I've already mentioned that much of what this passage teaches is not written. And that's really the important part here. And I hope that, that uh, when it sits in your heart, you'll be able, especially the fathers, this unspoken angst that, uh, that we have, this unction, uh, whenever a father thinks about their son and his welfare, then it, it shows itself. So if you've not closed your Bibles, you're okay. But if you've closed them, please turn back to Genesis 22, verse 1. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here here I am. Verse 2, then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. Now, when God called Abram back in Genesis 12, he didn't give him much information. He said, Leave and go to the land that I will show you. And here, all he says is, Take the son of your old age, whom you love, your only son, and sacrifice him. And so God tested Abraham's faith. Now, it didn't necessarily please God to put Abraham through this trial and this hardship, but it was a necessary thing. And the test, of course, was to sacrifice his son, Isaac. And it's called his only son here. Isaac is called. He had two sons. But let me remind you that Ishmael and Hagar, by this time, were already sent away. And the only son remaining is the one son by Sarah. And and Isaac was the one that was the son of promise through whom God would deliver those covenant blessings to those people of God. And when God spoke to him in in verse 2, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, he called him by name, calling him also whom you love. And it seems deliberate that God is making this request as offensive as it possibly
1: could be for a father to sacrifice his own son, his only son. And the emphasis in Hebrew, if I was to do a, a
0: transliteration in English, take now that son of thine, that only son of thine, whom thou lovest, that Isaac. And of course, a father would be immediately searching for some kind of escape clause here, some kind of way to get off the hook. And yet God put it to him straight.
1: And at that point, that sword must have pierced his soul. And the very
0: next thing we read in verse 3 is Abraham rising early and saddling his donkey. There's lots that is excluded here as far as the mental processes that are going through his head. The thoughts of trying to process this request that God had made of him, a request that doesn't make sense. And the scriptures are silent about these thoughts. It was a strange request, to say the least, for God to, to ask him to take the life of his son. God gave Abraham no reason for this. Just like this first call in, uh, in Genesis chapter 12. No reason, no details. Abraham couldn't see the purpose of this. Isaac had not done anything deserving death. Wasn't God's blessing to be given through Isaac as part of God's plan? Blessing with the covenant and then the covenant blessings that flow down through God's people through the patriarchal line. But what we see here is very simply faith in action. He saddled his donkey. It's the picture of resignation. It's a picture of a man who is answering the call of God, going to do the thing that offends him more than anything else in his life. But the resolution to obey is shown and it it shines through. And so he left immediately, right? For to delay opens the door of temptation. Verses four and five. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place far off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and the lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. So Abraham didn't tell the men that travel with them that he was going to kill Isaac. You can see that there. Why? Well, there may be several reasons there, but one of them is that they would
1: almost certainly have tried to stop him or interfere with that. And you know, the commentators, they, they
0: also said that Abraham probably did not tell Sarah about this. And I think I agree with them. Just go and do it. She might have tried to stop him as well. Verse 6, so Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and he laid it on Isaac his son and he took the fire in his hand and a knife and the two of them went together. Now Isaac here carried the wood. I'd like to uh, remind you that at this time Isaac was at least preteen in age. He He probably was a teenager. Probably fully grown or very close to fully grown. And I'm telling you this for the sake of the type. And just remember that because I'll I'll give you a couple of other type considerations and then we'll wrap it up a little bit later on. But that's important for the type. Isaac carried the wood. Verse 7, but Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Now, isn't it true that Isaac had probably seen his father offering hundreds of sacrifices by this time. He knew all about it. He was probably an expert, because there's no doubt that, that Abraham would have, have, uh, have done it repeatedly. But then again, I can never stray too far from what's going on in the mind of Abraham here. I frankly don't know how Abraham maintains his composure when his son asks him where the...
1: Where the sacrifice is. Can you? Can you identify with him? But his devotion remained unshaken. And uh, he answers his son in verse 8: And Abraham
0: said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. What an answer. And I suppose you could say that. What Abraham's saying there is, leave it with God. Leave it with God. But I have to ask myself, when I look at the way his question was put, when Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb, there was a couple of things that that could be said here. Uh, And it's all keyed on this word, himself. Himself. The word himself in the Hebrew, it's it's a reflexive Hebrew pronoun that refers back to the speaker. But for me, and perhaps for you, I'm asking the question, why is the word himself there? What was Abraham saying? Was he saying that God himself would provide the offering?
1: Was he saying that God himself would be the offering? Or was he saying both?
0: How much did Abraham know? How much did Lord, the Lord
1: uh, inform him about this? Well, we knew that Abraham
0: knew a little bit about the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's a couple of passages in the New Testament that we'll turn to. John 8, 56, Your father Abraham rejoiced. Jesus speaking, your Father Abraham, rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. The other passage is in revelation revelation thirteen eight All who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have been written in the book of life, the book in the Book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world and let me fill in the blanks for you. The first makes reference to the Messiah. The second makes reference to the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He, was, he died on the cross 2,000 years ago, but Jesus Christ is the Lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. God's eternal plan. So it seemed that, he, that Abraham did have a knowledge of the Savior. Uh, he didn't know uh, what his name would be or his identity But he believed. And as we read in Scripture, he believed and it was credited to him as righteousness.
1: So let's look at verse 9 as we continue here. If anyone has. Oops. Sorry. Verse 9 in Genesis, verse 22.
0: Sorry, chapter 22. Then they came to the place which God had told them, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order, and he bound Isaac, his son. Imagine this. And laid him on the altar upon the wood. Now, I already told you that Isaac was not an infant or a toddler or a preteen. He was almost fully grown here, and he submits. He submits. He could have run. He could have fought. But to his credit, he submits. And remember when I said that he, Isaac carried the wood? Well, Isaac submitted, and that's another important detail for the type. Okay, just file that away for now. But we have to praise the uh, the obedience of Isaac here, as he allowed himself to be bound when he could have escaped. Verse ten. Abraham stretched out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. All of these things have taken place. The trip is the question from Isaac. Now comes the time. Isaac is bound. He's laid upon the wood. And now the knife is raised
1: in the air. And and we read that he raised the knife in the air. his eyes blinded by tears. And then we read in verse 11, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham.
0: And so he said, here I am. Very formal there, but I
1: can imagine that Abraham was (laughs) beside himself here. And now we get to the point where my words are going to fail me. Where we
0: have a father with a knife in his hand raised up above his head. And fully of the mind to take his son's life. I want you to think of it this way. That his hand was on the way down. On the way down. Stopped physically by God. That's how committed
1: Abraham was to taking the life of his son. On the way down. And God was pleased.
0: It says in verse 12. Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son,
1: your only son. From me. And the blank here is only son, which is
0: a very specific phrase. And I want you to add that to the type. We'll talk about the type in a moment. And the type is, is the correspondence between Isaac and the Lord Jesus. He did not withhold his only son. This was the faith of of Abraham, the faithful father. Verses 13 and 14, we read that God provided a sacrifice to offer as a substitute for Isaac a very convenient ram caught by the horns behind him in the middle of nowhere. No accidents here. This is God rewarding Abraham's faith, providing a sacrifice. And then in verses 15 to 18, we won't read them or or look at them in detail, but he reaffirmed his covenant with Abraham. All right. So we've looked at the passage and we've looked a little bit more at the details and we've examined where Abraham was with the knife where he kills his son except for the hand of God that restrains him. And now I would like to look at a little bit more detail at the faithful Father, Abraham. God tested Abraham by calling for the sacrifice of his son, but it was the son of promise. And Abraham passed that test happily. Um, He was obedient. In fact, he was was so obedient, he was credited as actually having sacrificed Isaac. And we're going to cover this in the adult class in a a few weeks here. But let's go to Hebrews 11, uh, verses 17 to 19. And we'll just quickly take a look at what it says there. It says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called. Concluding that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, by which or from which he also received him in a figurative sense. So here we have some glimpse into the mind of Abraham, who reasoned within himself that Isaac would be raised up again. And as he prepared to kill him, his hand was stopped, and he was saved from having to to sacrifice his only son. And this is only a guess of what's going through his mind here at this time. Uh, as a father
1: with his son. James 2.21 also has a reference. I'll read it. James 2.21. Was
0: not Abraham our father justified for works when he offered Isaac, his son, on the altar? And here we, we can see what James means, you know, you can show me your faith, but I can show you my faith by what I do.
1: Abraham showed us his faith by what he did, right? With the knife. <laughs> well, obviously what, he, what God asked Abraham goes
0: against all of father's affections. But Abraham's faith was locked onto the trustworthiness of God a God that cannot lie, and a
1: God that keeps his promises. And we heard him tell
0: his son, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. And so we see the faith of Abraham expressed in the words that he speaks to his son. If Isaac died, how could, we, how could the covenant blessing be received? Did Abraham think that God would raise up Isaac from the dead? And yes, Hebrews 11:19 gives us that, uh, that confirmation that that's what he was thinking. But regardless of what was in his
1: heart, we could see the faith of a heartbroken father. And God rewarded his faith
0: by providing a sacrifice him in the middle of nowhere the sacrifice in his son's place and all of these things should suggest to us the anxiety perhaps of another father who provided his son I'm going to put forward God as the compassionate father this morning from a long list of attributes let's look at God's compassion this morning when I say compassion, I mean the act of being gracious or merciful. The act of being gracious. And we've talked about grace and mercy before. I like to think of grace and mercy as synonyms of love. God shows love to us. How? He shows us grace, which is giving us things that we don't deserve. And so he loves us by showing us grace. How else does he love us? He loves us through his mercy. And he loves us by withholding those things that we do deserve. And that's mercy. So grace and mercy. But the act of being gracious and merciful, that's compassion. And that's what we see in God. Almost everything that he does. Of course, there is a connection between God and Abraham, both fathers. They both love their sons. And the lives of their sons are in danger. And uh, so we see similarities there. And now I'd like to go back to the types and look at all of the things that I wanted you to remember that help us to understand the similarity. There's some instructive value in the nature of Isaac and what Isaac is teaching us about the Savior. The first thing is that he carried the wood just the same way that the Lord Jesus carried his cross to the place where he would be sacrificed. The second thing is... uh, that he was Abraham's unique son, the same as the Lord Jesus Christ is God's unique son, the God-man, unique in many, many ways. And the other thing is that Isaac went willingly, like the Lord Jesus, he went willingly to give his life for us. And so we can see uh, the types here. Uh, John 10 Verse 17, I'll read because it's relevant here, because it describes this willingness. Therefore, my father loves me, Jesus saying, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my father. Jesus was not murdered and the cross was some plan B or something like that. Jesus laid down his life
1: from the foundation of the world. So what cannot be denied is the fatherly compassion of the Lord,
0: sparing Abraham from having to offer up Isaac, seeing the, the heartbreaking test that the Lord put, put him to. But this is not just about Abraham. Our very salvation is at stake here. Because with one son, uh, a sacrifice was, was uh, uh, made, but, but the ram was provided as a substitute, but for the other son, the other son was offered for our salvation. Isaiah 53 verses 10 and 11
1: tell us that it pleased the Lord to bruise the Lord Jesus Christ. Because in Christ going to the cross, that's where our salvation lies.
0: And so it pleased the Lord. We have to keep thinking big picture here. We have to think of God's agenda and God's atoning plan here. God made a commitment before the foundation of the world to redeem his people. And I think it's worthwhile for us to, to linger in uh, Ephesians chapter 1 so that we can see and get a, a taste of the, the blessings and what was at stake here, and what was given to us because we're trusting in Christ. So I'm going to read, it's a rather lengthy passage, Ephesians 1 verses 3 to 14. Ephesians 1, verses 3 to 14. Starting at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestined us to adoption, As sons, by Jesus Christ, to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. We are accepted in the beloved. Verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. Verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. And lastly, verse 11, in him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel Of his will. Please excuse me for not doing an exposition of this because it might take six months to do that. There's so much in that passage. Nevertheless, here we have what was purchased for us through the offering of God's holy, perfect Son. And so God was clearly committed to the death of his Son. He spared Abraham out of his compassion. From sacrificing Isaac, and then he sacrificed
1: his own son for us. And I don't know what it is, but
0: this life is pretty busy, and we get distracted, and we we get uh, we lose our focus. But God knows that we can become
1: complacent. We might forget the cost of our salvation. But I truly
0: believe in my heart of hearts that Genesis chapter 22 is intended especially for fathers to remember the compassion of God. God loves to bless His people. He delights in it. But He wants us to be mindful of the cost of saving us. What did it cost
1: God to save us? you can be sure that a sword pierced God's heart too when Christ was on the cross. And day by day throughout our lives, let us remember the great compassion
0: of God, our Father, and what He gave for us.
1: And for the fathers out there this morning, this strange thing that we all
0: share in our love for our sons and daughters. This is the un, the unwritten thing that God wants to communicate to us. I hope I'm being effective as the Holy Spirit helps. We need to remember the price of our salvation and rejoice because our great compassionate God has given us everything in Christ.
1: Let's pray. father how can we simply receive
0: the account of genesis 22 without being deeply moved by it for the love of a father had to be overridden by the faith of a servant yet even when asked to give his own son he did not withhold And Father, we rejoice because we know that you did the difficult thing in giving your Son for us. Yet the penalty for our sin was fully satisfied, and your people can rejoice and triumph in a full and free and eternal salvation. And so, Lord, let these words rest in our hearts. Let us remember them often and give you glory.